The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. Hey there, friends. Thank you for joining us on yet another program, Afternoons with Mike Heard here on The Shepherd. In a moment, I'm going to have an interview with Daniel Webster. He is a congressman from District 11 right here in Florida, longtime friend to families, to those that were homeschoolers. I've had the congressman on my show before the primary, and I know you're going to enjoy what he'll have to say to us. That's coming up in just a moment. After that, in the last segment today, Richard Alderman is going to be here. Richard is the worship pastor, First Baptist Church, Oxford. And tomorrow night, that would be Saturday night the 5th, a big event is going to be there for their celebration that comes up at 6 p.m. at First Baptist in Oxford. Lauren Talley, the gospel singer, will be there. I'm going to be the MC. I'm looking forward to seeing all of you up there, if you can make that, for a fun night of not only Lauren Talley singing, but also Faith's Call. That's the group that Richard leads, and I know you're going to enjoy all of that. A couple of things before we hear from Congressman Webster Tuesday is obviously a very big day in the United States. It's the midterm elections. The general election will happen on Tuesday. Early voting has been going on already and will continue through Sunday at 8 p.m. Now, the polling places are open from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. daily. So that would be through 8 o'clock on this day, on Friday. Also on Saturday, tomorrow... And Sunday, the 6th, those will be the final days of early voting. You will not be able to vote in early voting on Monday. Tuesday is Election Day, general election, the 8th of November, and uh, a polls will be open again that day to vote. If you need help in knowing what's going on in this year's election, a couple of websites for you. The Florida Family Policy Council website, you can get on there by going to flfamily.org and then look for the voter guide. You can also go to Dave Zanotti's. uh, His website is called ivoter.com. And then finally, uh, FRC, the Family Research Council, has a website as well, and that is www.frcaction.org forward slash 2022. All right, let's get right on to our interview with Congressman Daniel Webster. On the line with me right now is a man that I have respected and just really admired over the years. He's been on my program before. In fact, uh, just before the last primary election, uh, Daniel Webster, who has served our great nation for a long time in this uh, incredible way of, of representing the people in this country, as he has done, uh, has served us in both the the House uh, as well as in the the state legislature. Daniel Webster, it's great to have you back on. Great to be on, Mike. I really appreciate the opportunity just to come on and talk about the way things are. Well, you know, the way things are is being talked about on just about every media outlet in this country. And I would wonder if you would agree with uh, what many of hosts of radio shows television news programs uh, are saying in that they are calling this midterm potentially one of the most important in our lifetime, one of the most important elections ever. Would you agree with that? I would. I would because um, Nancy Pelosi and the Speaker, the Democrat control of the House, uh, they uh, had an opportunity to work with us when they uh, got caught off guard last election and came within five votes of losing their majority. And they could have moved towards us and we could maybe compromise on a few things and work some things out. They didn't. They decided to go the other way, uh, way to the left. And so we have a a split nation. And so if we don't gain control, we're not going to get any of this moderation or or even uh, uh, something that would resemble good from the 
United States Congress, it's going to be much to the left with all their agenda and what they have. Do you feel, sir, that this progressive left movement, uh, if things go the way it looks like it could go in the House and potentially in the Senate, because after all, the Senate is a 50-50 mark right now, if any of the seats that are up for grabs in the Senate turn to uh, the red, then obviously it's it's a, a complete takeover on both of those sides. My question would be: Do do you feel that this progressive left would still have the same uh, push or the same uh, strength that they have apparently shown in this last two years? Well, I don't think so because uh, by controlling, let's say, just the one that I know much about is the House. Uh, they they can uh, force pieces of legislation to be heard. They can issue subpoenas. They can force the hand of uh, of the Republicans to make certain votes and so forth. It goes away if if the control of the House changes. And so I think uh, it is a very, very important election. I think it's going to decide a lot of issues. I think it's going to probably move us away from an agenda that, the majority of the Republican, the majority of the people in America, the citizens, they don't agree with it. Yeah, I saw today on a report on a very popular TV morning news program. I don't watch it every day, but I did today, and uh, they had a cross section of uh, people, supposedly a cross section, which it turned out most of the people that they were talking with uh, were Democrats, or at least former Democrats, and all but one of the eight people that was on this uh, kind of cross-section voting representation uh, that was depicted there on this program, all but one of the Democrats were going to vote or already have voted uh, for the Democrats. They were they were going for the Republican, and the reason stated was they they're just confident that uh, this whole uh, Democratic administration that we have right now, they've lost touch with the people. And that's what I'm hearing you say, that the people are, are just not with this plan, right? Yes, I believe that, too. I think, uh, I mean, nobody, uh, nobody really is out promoting that. The things they're doing, everything they've tried, uh, they they go in the wrong direction and it plays out to be the wrong direction. It's not like it's uh, something that you have to dig to find the reason. No, it's obvious that what they've chosen and the direction they've chosen is the wrong direction. I mean, that's why we've got the, the, uh, the, the number one issue, which they won't admit is the economy. And uh, the fact that there is uh, the prices have gone up to a 40 year high uh, inflation has just overtaken us, and uh, but they don't even see it as an issue. A popular lady on uh, media, Joy Reid, was quoted, has uh, said, I heard the quote from her own mouth, so I'm not speaking just third, third party here, but having heard her say that it is because of the rhetoric of people like you, the Republicans, uh, that the word inflation is out there. It's almost like we have invented the term. uh, And because we're repeating the term, people get it in their head that there is such a thing as inflation. That seems preposterous to me. And I think most people would agree with that, right? Yes. I I believe that it's not something we invented. It's not something we've said. We've only repeated what the people that are just the average American citizen is saying. We, we're paying more for things. We can't afford them. And the ones we can pay for or, or get, we can't get them because there's a, a supply chain problem. And, and so everything from groceries to gas to cars to housing, uh, all of them are, are doing that, plus the growing national debt. All that contribute to inflation. You can't buy your way into a a, uh, a stable economy, uh, but we're trying it. We're done. We're buying it on borrowed money. You know, uh, this is really going to be a, an amazing thing to see that if there is a change, 
that happens as a result of the election Tuesday. Obviously, it will take a couple of weeks for it to unfold. Uh, if that happens, what would be the opinion that you would have, maybe uh, colleagues of yours in, in the uh, in, in Congress, what would they believe this next uh, month and a half plus uh, until the, the turnaround happens in January? What, what do you think that will be like? What's this window going to look like? Well, I think they're going to try to do everything they can if they do as they've been doing everything they can to move their agenda further, to have a, a nationwide abortion uh, ban, I mean, uh, allowance and so forth. Uh, they'll, they'll try to do everything. But I think, I mean, I, I don't know this, but it just seems like the members, especially the ones that lose, or especially the ones that have had, uh, had uh, kind of moved the other way, trying to become more moderate, whatever, all of them are going to be reluctant to do that, and I and I pray that's the, that that's true. When you talk to people, sir, when uh, you're in D.C. and and you're talking to people across the aisle, what is the feel that you're getting from the bulk of people that you have relationship that would be Democratic? What do you get the feel that their opinion is of this current situation? Well, I think they tried to. Um, they just they don't want to talk about it, and that's at least the ones I know, they just don't want to talk about it. They want to come over. They want to, they sort of, it's like they come over to our side of the, the chamber and just want to talk about uh, what they could do to uh, make it better. And uh, a lot of them have, I don't know, you could call it out and out line. They've uh, miraculously changed their position dramatically. And somehow they believe they didn't uh, they didn't want to defund the police. Mm-hmm. And somehow, miraculously, they did they didn't want to cause all this spending and so forth. And it's not true. And it even shows up in their commercials for a reelection. They're they're just acting as if they never did that. Somebody did, but they did. You know, this has uh, come up in the race up in New York, especially in the governor's race, where only recently. Uh, has the governor there uh, kind of come down on a position that would look like uh, pro-justice, pro uh, the police department, uh, uh, f- maybe finally acknowledging the fact that crime is a problem. But uh, it seems that up until uh, maybe they're they're reading the polls or or they've got their finger up in the political air. I'm not sure exactly what it is. But it, do you think that it's too late in the party for them? Or do you think that this last ditch effort of people doing just exactly what you're saying uh, now coming and switching sides? Do you think that that's a ploy that could work? Well, we're going to know next Tuesday. However, I don't think they're going to get away with it. People are, are not going to say, oh, I guess they've changed or maybe they never were the way uh, we thought they were. And I just don't see that happening. Mm. Well, it's going to be a very interesting night for sure next Tuesday night on election night. Now, a question that I would have and I believe is held by so many people following 2020, and that would be election integrity, voting integrity. Uh, how do you feel uh, first of all, Florida, when you look at Florida, what uh, has happened uh, with regard to the stuff that went on in 2020 with balloting, with uh, early voting, with the uh, absentee b- ballots being as available and the drop off locations, all of that. How do you feel Florida is right now uh, with I regard think, to uh, our state? Well, I think Florida did a lot of things uh, that would tighten up the uh maybe the holes that people thought were there uh they have and uh, i think that's uh that's going to show up the uh, the real thing is though it's uh, a matter of a state issue and a local issue and we and at the federal level fought the democrats because they wanted to federalize the the elections they wanted uh, the federal government to determine all these things and if if anything is is true it's this there is no possible way that it would get better if they were run by the federal government. They would get worse. Uh, they want to have ballot harvesting. They want to be able to to uh, sneak illegals in, and and they want to. They don't want to have any kind of identification to show that you're uh, you're uh, 
a, a citizen or you you are who you say you are, all of that. They And they don't want to have any kind of uh, signature checks looking at see if the person that signed the ballot is the person that is that that's that person, all that. Um, and so they want to, again, allow the federal government to decide all those things. And we want the states and local communities to determine their future. Do you feel that uh, the election in Florida in 2020 was uh, a fair and uh, a valid uh, representation of actually what happened in, at the polls or in early voting? Yes, I, I think that, uh, again, in in Florida, there has been, under the leadership of Governor DeSantis, a, a strong effort to make our elections accountable. And I think he's done everything he could to make that happen. Well, again, that is something that is so important. And if we're going to have a future in this country with regards to a representative government, that is one of those mainstay things that has to happen, right? Yes, we have to have uh, voter integrity. We have to have election integrity. We have to have a fair election that comes off in a way that every person that wants to vote can, but all those that want to gain the system can't. I'm talking, if you've just tuned in, I'm talking to Daniel Webster. Daniel is a representative in the United States, Florida's 11th district, and uh, voted into that position, I believe, in 2017, right? That's uh, when I got the The last reapportionment that has happened uh, all along. The courts have entered in and so forth ever ever since... uh, um, the uh, 2010 election, which is when I was elected to Congress, uh, I've I've changed district. I changed four different times, and um, always by a very large uh, percentage of the district changing. First, the the House drew a plan, and then the then in the Senate, House and Senate, then the courts got involved, and the lower court thought it was unconstitutional. They drew a plan. Then the Supreme Court ruled that the, what the lower court had done was unconstitutional. So anyway, all of that added together. I've, I've seen a lot of new districts over the past, past 10 years. So I really started representing the one I represent right now in, in 17. Right. Uh, however, I got elected in 10. All right. So you've seen it. You've seen these changes, even the government's influence in redistricting and all of the things that that brings about. But you've also served years in the Florida legislature as well. Uh, When you look back at that, going back to 2010, when you first jumped into the Congress, what has changed in the, the whole serving as a representative for the United States government right now? What has changed uh, in your mind, uh, the most since 2010? Well, uh, on the plus side, uh, Roe v. Wade has been negated. And I think that's a huge, huge change the right way. On the other hand, uh, marriage and and uh, many of the issues that are dealt with that and a man and a woman and so forth, all of that has changed the other way. So uh, there have been some major, major changes one of them that I mentioned, which is very good. The others have been not so good. Daniel Webster is my guest. We're going to be back with Daniel in just a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike. Don't go away. We're right here on The Shepherd. Palm Beach Atlantic University, Orlando offers three distinct areas of study. An evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services, and our new Daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. All of our courses are offered at our beautiful campus on Millennia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. On the line with me is Daniel Webster, Congressman Webster. It's so great to have you. And you've been serving in the United States House of Representatives since 2010. As we mentioned in the last segment with the redistricting and all the stuff that's gone on, District 11 uh, is now what you represent, and you've held that since 2017. Uh, are, do you see these kind of changes continuing, the redrawing of things? I think that's brought a lot of confusion to a lot of people. I've had a number of politicians on who have talked about the fact that it does 
caused a lot of people who thought they were going to have a chance to vote for one person that they voted for the last time, and now they're they're no longer in the same district. Do you see that thing continuing? Yes. Uh, every 10 years, I, I understand the uh, uh, legitimacy of, of redrawing lines based on the new population. On the other hand, these ones that I've went, went through, four different districts uh, jumping all around, getting new counties, losing other counties, back and forth, crazy. That's all seems to be a lot of uh, uh, more confusion, add more confusion to the process than anything else. Mm -hmm. I would agree completely. Uh, As you're looking now toward uh, this future, if things go the way they look like they're going to go, and we're hearing numbers that would be anywhere from uh, a single to maybe strong double-digit lead in the House of Representatives. What do you see as job number one when uh, the new year begins, the new term begins under new leadership in the House? What do you think the first thing is going to be? I think it's going to be oversight. Uh, the um, And just to explain that, uh, the House of Representatives is a uh, it's one of its main functions is to oversee what the government is doing and how they're doing it and how it's done right and are they following the law and all of that. Um, we have seen the politicization of, uh, of the FBI, of the Department of Justice, uh, and then in, in years before that, the IRS, other things being used as political tools by the majority party. And that's something that's just got to be addressed right away. And I think we're going to do that. But the real thing that we're going to start on, but it'll take a while, and that's going to be uh, the uh, to make an economy that's strong. And that, and the first thing in that is um, inflation and what we can do to fight inflation and to lower the cost of living. People are hurting, and they're hurting because, not because of anything other than they've got the same amount of money, but they're spending it on less things because inflation has eaten up a lot of what they have. Right. And we talked about that in segment one. That is not something that's just contrived as a kind of a thought in speech, but it, it's a, it's affecting people's pocketbooks when they go to Publix, for crying out loud. It's, yes, it's a big deal. It does. If, and the other if is if they can actually even buy the product. Uh, because there's this whole supply chain issue and uh, dealing with that. But if they can, it's going to cost more, and that's the shame of it. You know, there's something about that that I'd I'd like to just get your thoughts on. Again, I'm always trying to uh, ask these questions that would be from the standpoint of a biblical worldview and not just trying to be uh, one that would ask questions that that could be uh, pointed in a negative way. That is not my heart in asking this next question. But the statements by the President of the United States are increasingly becoming more worrisome to most, I believe, most of the thinking population. Uh, I watch videos from other nations, especially uh, Sky News in Australia. The daily mocking that's going on of President Biden, it's, it's so sad to my heart. And yet there are statements being made like he made last week where he said gas prices were over $5 a gallon when he took office. And that's just not true. What are the thoughts that you would have about this whole scenario with the condition of our president right now? Well, I think, um, I think he knows better. Maybe he's being prompted to say things just so somebody will print them and they'll start thinking it's true because people can't think back that far. Maybe they can't remember. I don't know. But, yes, there are some things that are just out and out lies. And uh, I don't know if he means to do that or if he's been prompted to do that or somebody wrote him down on a piece of paper for him to say, not knowing exactly what he was going to say. He used the notes and uh, repeated a bit. Either way. It uh, it's, says things that most of the public knows that that's not the case. Yeah, it's just not true at all, and it doesn't fly. And even the comments that we were ma- making about uh, Joy Reid's quote about uh, inflation and how that it is something that is just contrived and brought up in, in rhetoric— 
Uh, we know that that's not true. And yet these things just continue to fly at the American public. And you would think that people would wake up and say, no, we're not going to do that. But on the other hand, that could well be what's happening right now. And again, we are going to find out in just a couple of days. Yes, we will. Yes, for sure. And so, <laughs> yeah, to think of uh, certain words that are being used and now they're just something that's brand new is uh, crazy. Uh that's been around forever, and uh, they uh, everyone knows the meaning. Everyone knows the results. Everyone knows what's what's going on with it. And one of the things I think people know is we can't you uh, we can't defeat inflation by government spending. It just doesn't work. We can't spend our way with borrowed money out of inflation. It's not going to happen. Matter of fact, it's going to be worse. Each time we spend that un that uncovered, uh, unbacked up money uh, on something that's uh, like the black hole of government. Here's a question that I believe is on the mind of a lot of uh, the, our listeners: Do you believe that if the House and the Senate were to flip back, uh, do you believe that there could be ample uh, pressure against the administration? to make any changes in our oil independence? Do you believe that there could be any change at all in the pipeline or the regulations against oil? What do you think would happen then? Yes, well, um, I, I would say I could look back to the Obama administration and there were things that he wanted that he needed and we could help him. And there's things we wanted we could, uh, he could help us. However, the idea of starting the pipeline is probably something that's uh, that's a, a, a issue that's been bridged by several administrations. And when the president is against it, there's nothing that you can do, really. We tried all that under Obama and could not budge him, even coming down to the fact we his own departments said it was okay. They agreed to it. The, the uh, Department of State agreed that this uh, it's uh, something that needs to be signed, but there's just this one issue, and that is bridging the gap between the two countries, which is a narrow narrow line. And that's what uh, that's what's been blocked before. Mm-hmm. We've gone through it. We can't get there. Congressman Daniel Webster is my guest today. Sir, you brought up in our last segment something I want to touch on right now as one of the high points of things that have happened in the last year is the overturning of Roe v. Wade and the fact that in so doing, it didn't end abortion. We know that it moved the discussion out to each individual state. And I knew I know that uh, that is a discussion that is ongoing Uh, just uh, in the last 24 hours. It's a talk of the 1000 page report that congressional leaders from the Republican side in Congress have turned out uh, would seem to show that uh, the FBI has been complicit in some of the uh, or or maybe it should be the lack of investigation on some of the attacks on pro-life centers around the country. What are your thoughts on that? And then the whole uh, condition of Roe v. Wade aftermath that's in Florida right now. Well, in that case, I I would say we can't get to the majority quick enough because we just uh, there's just things that could be done over the next couple of months that would be uh, uh, at least try to undo what the uh, Supreme Court has determined. But I, I believe that um, that there is uh, a real desire among the people to um, have policy made at the state level on this issue. And uh, I think that's where we should keep it. Um, it's, uh, it, was, it was a good win. It was the right win. The uh, even, um, even liberal uh, liberals and conservatives and moderates all believe that that decision of Roe was a um, it was written just in a poor way. It was a bad decision. <clears throat> I see it more as a bad decision because there were babies that were murdered. Uh, others see it though. If you look at it, it would just was constructed in a poor manner in that it really was not like any other decision because of the legal uh, terms that were used and the, and the decision made was just a bad one. 
So I think to go back to that would be, be crazy. There's there are people who want to uh, want to be against it, want to be for it, and some people in the middle. But in the end, it was just a bad decision. And um, bringing it back to the state certainly doesn't change the. I mean, doesn't end the battle. All it does is put it in the right forum. Puts it in the forum that it should have been all along, and it's no longer federally protected. Uh, as it had been all these years. And, you know, when you think about it, sir, when you the power of uh, some sort of direction, whether it's a law that's voted on in the traditional way when we think about our government or whether it's something that's passed down as a judgment like what Roe v. Wade was uh, back almost now 50 years ago, when you think about the fact that it took 49-plus years to overturn what our justices today said should never have been passed. That goes to show the power of consequence in an election. Isn't that right? It does, Uh, and especially in that when uh, there's only just a few justices uh, on the Supreme Court and just a one vote here, one vote there, and it changes all that's happening. And it's a, it, in some cases, it can be a major, major uh, problem. And in this case, a life and death problem. And for sure. And we are, are just so grateful in Florida that we have uh, the law that went into effect. Now it, it's, uh, it's not enough, I do believe. I'd love to see more. Uh, what are your thoughts about the trigger laws that went into effect in some of our neighboring states? Would you like to see something like that in Florida? I would. I would. I think we, uh, I am uh, totally against abortion. And I believe that uh, it's in the hands of the House and Senate in Florida and all every other state. And I think they should go as far as they can. That's great news. I think everyone who is a pro-lifer would would be thrilled to hear you say that, and that's why I wanted you to have the opportunity to say that. I know that when we talked uh, a couple months ago, you brought up one of the main reasons, one of the main motivations why you're doing what you're doing, why you're continuing to put the fight out, because it's not easy doing what you're doing. Uh, You have to deal, first of all, with these unpopular issues. You have to deal with people that are taking the nation in a direction that is obviously uh, not something that you would believe in. But then at the same time, you're you're having to just do the whole fight of reelection as, as often as you do. That's but you listed the reason the motivation is being your grandchildren, being the, the next generation. I'd love for you to speak about what your thoughts are about what America is going to look like in 10 years. Yes, well, um, I've said all along, there's more than one way to take over. And uh, you can do it by uh, electing the right people and then also having uh, a whole generation of, of uh, newborns that can grow up and be uh, the leaders of tomorrow. And I, I think the, uh, the idea of, um, of having children is a, is a great thing. We had six kids, they're all married, and now we've got 20, well, counting the one that's on the way, we have 22 grandchildren, and they're going to be the future. Uh, and I want to make sure that uh, there's a lot of things, including the uh, from uh, all I have more girls and boys in uh, grandchildren. And I want to make sure that they can uh, use Title IX and, and be able to play sports against a, another uh, female. Right. Uh, that's one. And then there's just many other things, too, that that uh, that need to be taken care of. And uh, I think that. Uh, the whole idea of a man and a woman being the the two uh, sexes and that's it. And uh, also the fact that um, they've got a huge debt that we've built up and uh, we've got to somehow get our house in order and we've got to cut government waste, bring our spending under control so that not only do we tackle the inflation, but also we just uh, protect this future. That that is somehow, some way, it might even be met in the in the in the future, and they're going to have to pay it. And I, I certainly don't want them to have to be underwater uh, with a debt they can't afford. Mm-hmm. And we pray for them that they can uh, take the situation that uh, they're being handed 
and do well with it. It's going to take the grace of God one way or the other. And we're for sure. so, so thankful for leaders, though, like yourself, that have that vision in mind. And congratulations on so many grandchildren. That's amazing, man. I've got 10. Grateful for them. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but my goodness, that is awesome. I know that you've been a, a real proponent and a real leader for homeschoolers and uh, parental rights. That's something that just couldn't be more important, right? Right, for sure. And I think just the idea of having a choice for education is is something. That's what this country was founded on, and uh, founded on. And we uh, we need to promote it as best we can with everything we can, uh, and including education, where we have a choice between we can do private school and public school and uh, uh, parochial schools and and homeschool. Uh, and it's a uh, matter of fact. The, uh, in a lot of places, they tried that. Uh, even the public school system had to try that this last two years because of COVID. And in some cases, it worked out well. And uh, we've actually picked up more people uh, to go to uh, private uh, schools and also to homeschool. You know, we had a lot of people became homeschoolers whether they wanted to or not, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's exactly what happened. Daniel Webster, thank you so very much for being with us today. How can people get in touch with you on the line? Uh, well, they can uh, they can uh, get in touch with me through uh, email, and that is uh, is a uh, just Webster dot house dot gov backslash um, commitment is one way where they can find out what we're, what we're committing to, what the commitment to America means, and what how they can do what they can do to help it. But Webster.house.gov. Webster.house.gov. Daniel Webster serving Congress in District 11 in Florida. We wish you the best on Tuesday, and we pray for our country, and may God bless America. Amen. Turning 65 or already on Medicare? Have you tried to compare Medicare supplement plans? Are you sick and tired of the awful TV commercials where washed-up football players confuse you even more? Speak with a licensed independent insurance agent today. Call 407-965-4166 now or visit Affordable One Insurance in Winter Park, Florida and discuss what is important for you. Be sure to ask us about dedicated senior medical centers. EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years experience, EC Waters is a top trained comfort specialist earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. Back again for segment three, and on the line with me is Richard Alderman. He's the worship pastor at the First Baptist Oxford Church, and uh, it is the site of now another, I think, what is this, 143rd anniversary? Is that right? 143 years. Yes, sir. It's amazing. Oh, my goodness. I mean, to think about the fact that there's been a presence in Oxford by the First Baptist people for that long. That's just amazing. Yeah, and it's pretty special to be part of now um, because, you know, we get to celebrate not only um, all those <clears throat> who made our church possible in the past, but we also get to see, you know, and celebrate what God is doing and bringing us into the now and the future. So it's, it's just a real blessing. You know, to be I was, able to be a part of it. Uh, and I was blessed to be a part of it last year when you did um, the 142nd anniversary. Yes, mm -hmm. And at that event, it was kind of a really cool thing, Richard, because you as worship pastor, now you've been up here before with the senior pastor, you guys, uh, we've talked about what you do in music there at the church. We've right. also talked about, and I'd like to hit this a little bit later on, you also direct a group there for those that have gone through mental health issues. That and, is correct, and, yes, sir. And that was something that you suffered yourself. You went through uh, a, a pretty strong depression, as I remember. Correct. Yeah, it's it's uh, something that is a daily battle, but God is uh, using that, and we're seeing a lot of victory um, from that around here, that God's getting a lot of glory from 
from that. But uh, yeah, that, that's something I could. You literally don't have enough segments I could talk about how good, good God is. With <laughs> I'm that, sure that's so. right. Well, again, we'll cover more about that. Give some details about the meetings that you have and all of that. Sure. But first of all, let's talk about this weekend because this happens. On Saturday night, now for those listening on the Monday replay of my program, uh, it will already be uh, in the past, but for those listening on the Friday releases, uh, this is going to happen Saturday night starting at 6 o'clock at the First Baptist Oxford location. And uh, boy, a big evening planned. It's going to be the same artist that you brought in last year as the guest, Lauren Mm -hmm. Towley. So tell us about Lauren. Uh, Lauren has actually kind of ventured off into a new <clears throat> part of ministry as far as her solo ministry goes. For many years, she sang with her family, the Tallies, the Tally Trio, and they are uh, still recognized as one of probably the best family uh, groups to ever come through uh, the Southern slash country gospel, um, you know, <clears throat> realms. So, for us to be able to have someone of her caliber here, but also her being as humble and as just a caring person as she is, um, you know, to be here and experience her, her, what she brings to the table, you know, during our celebration is, is just amazing. It was great last year and I have no doubt. So it's going to be uh, amazing this year. Lauren actually has a brand new song <clears throat> coming out and I'm hoping that she's going to do it um, when she's here. Um, uh, Saturday, but it's she is really, really, really making got a head of steam going right now, and uh, you will be hard pressed to find someone better, in my opinion, uh, that you could go and sit down and listen to for free. I might add, on a Saturday night. So um, we would invite everyone to come out and experience probably one of the most dynamic female singers and soloists that are traveling today. You know, I've uh, studied her back when we were going to be talking about this last year. And yes, uh, I was privileged last year to be the MC for that event. And, and you guys are having me back. Yes, we are. To... We're excited about that, too. <laughs> well, thank you. It's uh, it's an honor very to be welcome. there. But uh, I was very familiar with the tally name. Uh, had not really studied out the individual members of the tallies that much until last year and right. realized that this young lady literally grew up on the stage. I mean, she really Correct. did. Her yeah. mom and dad are very talented. Like you said, they're at the very top of Southern gospel yes. music. And uh, she grew up singing that. So she has a winsome presence on the stage. She's just yes. wonderful and very down to earth, too. Yes. <clears throat> yes, she is uh she is single-handedly responsible for um a lot of the success that the other group who is going to be singing there uh singing with us on uh, Saturday, which is a group I happen to be a part of, um which is Faith's Call and she is single-handedly responsible for kind of helping us get kick-started. So just the fact that she is as talented as she is, but she is also uh one who wants to see you know, make an impact for God's kingdom. And that's one, that's one of the things that is very admirable of her because there is no competition there. She just, she wants, you know, people to be touched by God's word and song and, and for her to have done that for us, it was a, an amazing thing. So we'll be forever indebted to her. <laughs> for that. So. I, you correct me if I'm wrong, but as I, uh, as I remember the formation of Faith's Call, your group, which is made up of you, a, a, a young lady, a friend, not a mm-hmm. not a family member, but a friend right. of yours, right. and then right. your daughter, the three my of daughter, you. Yes, yeah, my daughter Emma and a friend of ours who our families have been going to church for whew, probably more close to two decades together. Um, Dory Height, she sings the alto and is one of the songwriters for us. Um, we literally threw Faith's Call together, um, didn't even really have a name until about a week and a half before that concert. <laughs> um, a year ago. Jeff, yeah, Jeff Stice was originally scheduled to be with Lauren, and Jeff Stice is a very, very awesome uh, piano player. But he, uh, um, fortunately for him, but unfortunately for us, went home to be with the Lord uh, right before that happened, and we really had to pull something out of our hat and God's like, I got this. Don't worry about it. And he just 
he started blessing that night and it has not stopped. So we're, <clears throat> we are just kind of hanging on for the ride right now. <laughs> you know, I, I was so, so shocked last year when I heard you guys, because the uniqueness of the harmonies that you three have, it's like you had been together for multiple years. I mean, I, I, I love it. I've got the recording. I listened to it. In fact, I was listening to it yesterday in my car and yeah. it it is just so good. The harmonies are impeccable between you and your daughter and Dory, how did you realize that you guys could blend like that? <clears throat> well, my daughter and I sang a little bit when we traveled. I traveled as a soloist. So she kind of knew my nuances. And then the church that um, our families were, were a part of before, we all sang in the choir. The funny thing is, is that we would all do different like um, <clears throat> segments or groupings together. But Dory and I and Emma never really got to do that when we were at that church. So I took the worship pastor position here at Oxford and Dory and her husband had already been here for about a year and a half. And I uh, said, we're going to make a praise team and to go along with our choir. And I said, anybody want to, you know, is anybody okay with singing you know, in front of people on a microphone and nobody raised their hands. <laughs> and I was like, Oh boy. <laughs> so <laughs> wow. I asked Dory, I said, well, you do this. And she said, yeah. She said, let's just practice a lot. And I said, that's fine. And it was at that moment we were going through some just traditional hymns type stuff. And it was like, wow, there's really something here. And um, it just, <clears throat> it wound up being probably the best. Um, I don't really, I don't really know how to put it. The best um, use of nobody volunteering that I've ever had. <laughs> so. It's funny how some things turn out that way, right? I mean, yes. you have no idea. <laughs> that right. uh, this is going to happen, and then the need arises. You put it together, and as I right. remember, what happened is that Lauren, who heard you that night, uh, she heard you for the first time, like the right. rest of us heard you for right. the first time, and then she's so blown away by that that she takes some initiative of her own, right? Right. That's correct. Yeah, she uh, she told her record label about us, and one of the people who were with her record label, uh, Jeff Collins at Crossroads, he is actually the executive producer on our very first <clears throat> album. And um, he was also the person who arranged our very first release um, that just released uh, this October 1st to everywhere. And um, we are <clears throat> just so appreciative of her because without that connection being made uh, and her kind of saying, hey, you need to hear and know these people, we would have probably still just, you know, be sitting here, you know, where we're at. So mm -hmm. it's, it, it's just, it was, I get speechless when I think about it because it's, it is really, it really is a God thing. And I know I hear a lot of people talk about a lot of different things, but <clears throat> I traveled the road for a long time, um, singing and playing and writing songs and never, ever had one hit a chart. And with this group, with this effort and this push, our song debuted at 31 on one chart and 19 on another. Oh, my goodness. So it's it, that right there is God. <laughs> so that's why I get so speechless about it is because you you think you you think you're in control of kind of your own destiny, so to speak. You kind of get that mindset and then, you know, nothing really happens. And then when you just kind of are at God's mercy and just kind of have to let him do his thing. It is amazing what God will do for us. Mm -hmm. Without a doubt. I mean, that is, uh, it's hard to do in this day and age to get yes. on uh, as an independent artist, uh, to get on any yes. chart. It doesn't matter what genre of music we're talking about, but you guys are really that good. And, and the people that you used uh, to produce the record, they just did a phenomenal thing. So with a debut album like that, man, congratulations. It sounds Thank wonderful. Thank now, you so much. We, the details about tomorrow night, you mentioned it's a free concert. Yeah. So we have general admission uh, is always free um, here. We do have, um, so we're going to have an entire series of concerts this year. Lauren is kind of kicking everything off for us. Um, and then in January, we'll have Joseph Habedank with us. In February, we'll have The Sound with us. In March, we'll have Mark Trammell with us, the Mark Trammell Quartet. Um, if people want priority seating, which comes with a little gift bag for every concert that has goodies in it and things like that, gives you a guaranteed seat, a private entrance, uh, and different things like that, we're selling a pass for a donation of $75 per person per pass, and that gives you access to the entire concert series, 
all through and from beginning to end. Um, but our regular general admission seating is always free. And um, we just take up a love offering at the end and that helps us to keep doing this here in Oxford. Um, it's, you know, prices and things like that are going up for a lot of things <laughs> as everybody is aware of. And the musicians are no exception. They're feeling it as well. So we want to make sure that we take them, take good care of them because they're carrying this message across the country and, uh, you know, of, of salvation through Jesus. And that's, that's what we want to be a part of. And, and so many and national artists so. like Lauren, I mean, they're just now starting to recover from yes. uh, the COVID lockdown, which functionally kind of ended all concerts around the country. Yes. So yes, it, it, did. It, it was rough, but we're so glad that uh, she's back out. So it's six o'clock tomorrow night. That is Saturday yes. night at First Correct. Baptist Oxford. Give us the address. It's 4060 County Road 108 Oxford, Florida 34484. Now we'll you... have the doors open at 515 tomorrow. 515. Okay. Yes. Uh, I'll be there before that. I'm looking forward to <laughs> yes. I'm looking forward to being with you guys, getting to hear Lauren again. And it's really going to be a wonderful time. We mentioned uh, the organization that you lead in addition to your work as worship mm-hmm. pastor. Tell us that and give us the meeting information and the website for that as well. So we have a uh, ministry here at First Baptist of Oxford that is called All People Mental Health Ministries. <clears throat> and basically... What that is, is it is a ministry that takes um, what we know in science and what we know about biblical application and kind of squishes those two things together to give us a, a, uh, a handle on and help people handle their mental health, whether it be a disorder or whether it be just a mental health episode that they're going through at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> it is a 100% complete free program we don't charge anything for it Uh, our program was using the grace group curriculum Um, we have paused off the grace group right now and we've started a new study and it's just a bible study hour about those in the bible who felt like they blew it and for instance last night's study was on king david Um, so (laughs) it really helps us to understand that you know even though we feel like we as a result of our mental health issues, we might blow it sometimes. God is always there and faithful with us. So we have uh, named this new segment that we're doing right now, our Losing My Mind Bible Study. And so we can lose this earthly mind about how we feel and think and put on a Christ-like mind to help our walk with Him. So I'm a firm believer that if you strengthen your walk with God, strengthen every other area of your life will will just come as a result of that. Richard Alderman, we're just about out of time. Give us the website real quick. (laughs) It's www.fbcoxfordfl.org. And our mental health program is on Thursday nights at 6 p.m. right here at First Baptist Church of Oxford. And we look forward to seeing you tomorrow night, my friend. You got it, brother. All right, and that's about it for us. We'll see you next time right here on Afternoons with Mike.